This is Ryan Harvey in Baltimore, and you're listening to episode 21 of Hope Dies Last. Thai students return to the streets. It, it is a new generation of the people. The, the opposition party was outlawed for some time now, for a number of years. Dissidents within the country have been brutalized. Factory people or the people who got like just 200, 300 baht per day, like they, they lost their job. And when they lost their job, it means like they have no money and no saving. And the demands that were sort of circulating, you know, they look like standard sort of features of liberal democracies. Over a decade ago in Oakland, California, I played music to open an event for a representative from Thailand of the Via Campesina, the global network of peasants. After the show, he had told me about how Thailand had its own revolutionary folk music tradition that grew out of the student movement. And these musicians were combining the folk music of Northeast Thailand with Western anti-war music that they were hearing in the bars and cafes in Bangkok. That's because the U.S. military was stationing troops there and were also building Air Force bases to bomb Vietnam and Laos from Thailand. Many of those musicians were active at Thammasat University, which was the epicenter of the 1973 popular uprising that ousted the military government at the time. That uprising took place on October 14th of 1973, and that date is very relevant to the story that you're about to hear about what's going on right now. But in 1976, another student uprising at the same university was met with really brutal repression from right-wing militias and from the military itself. Many students were killed there in the university. Others fled to the countryside. Some of them became communist guerrillas and fought in Laos and also in northeast Thailand. This was my introduction to the radical history of Thailand. And right now is a good moment to talk about it because... People are in the streets across Thailand, but especially in Bangkok, protesting against both a military regime and, for the first time really in modern history, the monarchy. What's happening in Thailand right now is very significant for, for the people living there. And joining me today to talk about that is an old friend of mine, Joshua, who's currently living there, and Tisha, who is a participant of the demonstrations and is born and raised in Bangkok. Joshua and Tisha, thank you both for joining me. Hi, thanks for having us. Joshua, you were helping me prepare just to do this interview by telling me some of the context of the protests. Maybe you could just give me and the listeners a bit of an introduction to what's been happening just in the recent days. And then Tisha, you can help us understand the political context to this and hopefully give us a wider understanding of why these protests are happening and, and just how significant they are. So I'll give you a quick timeline of the last 48 hours, which was this blockade of the royal military that happened or the royal motorcade that happened was sort of like crossing the rubicon as it were people are incredibly angry uh the overwhelming through line through all my conversations with people last night was anger one of the things that i think distinguishes the the protests here so far is that people have very consciously and very deliberately been nonviolent, and so I think there was a sense that that would serve as some sort of protection and that, you know, the state would sort of respond appropriately. And the fact that the state unleashed such brutality on people last night was traumatic. There's a lot of speculation that this was engineered, that like the regime engineered this so as to kind of like kneecap what's been happening. But the next morning uh, at 4 a.m., 
a separate state of emergency decree was issued regarding the political activity that had had spiked. It imposed uh, restrictions on gatherings, no gatherings of more than five people. It imposed restrictions on speech online. There are already standing laws that criminalize certain forms of political speech online. And that's one of the ways that the state goes after people. And it gave the state the power to detain people without charge for seven days, renewable by seven days, up to 30 days. And during this time, they have no access to lawyers. And they went after several of the leaders of the protest from the 14th and arrested them. So the next day, the 15th, uh, was the massive protest that really made headlines where I saw numbers anywhere from 13 to 20,000 people in central Bangkok came out to basically say, fuck you, like we don't, we're not going to be cowed by this. People that the government has identified as leaders of the, the pro-democracy movement were detained after that. And a new <laughs> severe emergency decree was issued. Then people took to the streets again last night. And that was a much different scene. First of all, the police preemptively blocked off the part of the city that the the uh, October 15th protest had taken place in, thinking, I guess, that they could sort of preempt the whole process and, and people wouldn't, wouldn't be able to show up. And the movement, which is young and very online, very quickly pivoted and said, okay, fine, we're moving the protest to this other place. And everybody gathered there. I got there uh, at the very beginning of it, and I would say there were probably about eight to 10,000 people there already. It was very calm. It was very jubilant, very intergenerational, very mixed in terms of, of demographics, not altogether unlike other protests that I've been to here. But at a certain point, riot police began approaching from various sides with water cannons and began attacking people. What I started to see was people coughing who were running back from the water cannons were coughing and spitting and rubbing their faces. Mm. And I wasn't seeing gas. I wasn't hearing mm. any sort of explosions of like firing tear gas or anything like that. What I then gleaned from Twitter was that they had basically laced... Had some chemical inside the water. Yeah, yeah, they had laced the water coming out of the cannons with some sort of irritant. And in the other side, that uh, Joshua not not standing there, but but I saw it in from from the Facebook that people try to chat to the other people, like they use the blue water color. Oh, they dyed the water. Yeah, like like in Hong Kong that they try. They say like inside it just make you irritate too, but it's a um, chemical that identify like who in the protest, so they can arrest it easily. Something. That cleared a lot of spaces. By the end of the night, they had cleared the protests and protesters moved to an adjacent university, Chulalongkorn University. Yeah, because the, the, the 14, they, they, they still want to request the, the, the three demands and, and 10 requests to the government and to the monarchy. So they try to finish the first part that more easy about like, they want like a Mr. Prayutjan Osha to to retire himself of the to become like the prime to, minister to resign yeah yeah to resign so at the first start they they surround by the democracy monument and they move to the old parliament mm -hmm. to to sit there and they announce to each other like we're gonna stay here like till you get out mm -hmm. but then like uh people 
start to to have like the stage gonna make a new fair <laughs> like um gonna have like the poetry night gonna have like some yeah they're gonna stay there and then like the 4 a.m like the government just beat them up yeah in the night and and just announcement the emergency state and then like so people are just angry about that and the police just arrested our leader but actually like it's not our leader it's like some important activists that we feel like they have like um spit what you call like they have the position there yeah i mean they're the movement here is very horizontal but there are particular figures who are very articulate and very vocal, some of whom are lawyers, some of whom are in, engaged in, in other sort of disciplines that are, you know, adjacent to movement organizing. And the government has just sort of honed in on those people. was thinking like uh, if, they, if they already arrested the leader, like people are going to not come to the protest and don't know where to go but but they're wrong they, they are were thinking that we have leader but actually in this protest i can say like full mouth that every people can be leader even like high school student or so we call like they arrested our friend we call him as a friend like so people more angry about so we say like you know what we will go back home today but tomorrow let's meet each other inside the town like democracy monument in Thailand is outside the um, it is old city part, mm-hmm. like where the palace, there, temple, antique stuff. But inside the city, it mean like the the place that where BTS and MRT line sky place skyline yeah. that that reach it. The BTS and the MRT are the two metro systems. One is a SkyTrain, the other is below ground, and that is a an important feature of what's been happening the last few days is that rather than staging the protests at um, the Democracy Monument or near the Grand Palace, which are in the sort of old city of Bangkok, they've been moving them into the commercial center around these like massive upscale high-rise shopping malls on these sort of elevated public spaces that are called like skywalks that are these plazas that are attached to the sky train basically and are above Mm -hmm. the streets um it's very very futuristic from a western standpoint i mean the scenes last night literally could have been scenes out of blade runner like they're just neon led (laughs) displays and it's raining and there are cops coming through with water cannons and word like a bangkok what? city of life yeah, yeah like um, like like in the city like that like for so for the four, 15 the other people in the group just announcement to each other like okay we're gonna meet at 17 in that point of the city and just announcement like a few times but people just because like people see like what what you do to our friend like yesterday so people come like massive yeah and it, uh, that's one thing i noticed ryan that like i think is worth noting it's like I'm in intensive Thai classes three hours a day from from one to four in the afternoon and when I get out of class is about the time that high school kids are getting out of school and getting on the metro and things like that and you know I see them on the metro and stuff every day when I get out of class but on the 15th the numbers of them on the metro at that hour which was the appointed hour of the protest were way larger and their the rhythm of their movements and stuff was way different like i could tell something was different and then yesterday when i got onto the metro to go downtown to the protest literally the woman standing next to me uh who was just 
like an average middle-class young woman. I think she had like shopping bags. She was looking at her phone and I could see on her phone screen that she was looking at Twitter posts from the youth movement here. <laughs> so like it is everywhere. Like it's the, it felt like the setup to some sort of dystopian sci-fi or something where mm-hmm. like I get on the train and everybody on the train is looking at announcements about the resistance, you know, okay. um, it's that kind of, it's that kind of atmosphere right now. You know, the last major uprising in Thailand was what's referred to as the red shirts. I think that was back, back maybe about 10 years ago. Yeah. In those times we have like civil war from the red, we call red and yellow red side and yellow side so the red it's kind of like people who calling out for for the real democracy and for the yellow part they are people that say like uh, they protect and support the monarchy and uh that movement as i understand it the the red shirts was primarily like poor and working poor in rural areas and oftentimes was kind of intention with urban populations to some extent and one of the differences that people are pointing out to me in the interviews that i've been doing is that now those two sort of demographics are in alignment um, which to me seems really substantial and really instructive because you know anywhere else that i've you know observed or, or written about movements or reported on movements in the world that tension between villages and cities or rural and urban has oftentimes been a sort of like Achilles heel for progressive and grassroots social movements. And it, it appears that that's not the case here right now. It appears that there is uh, quite a bit more unity than in past uprisings and uh, in, in uprisings that I've observed elsewhere. These most recent protests that you just described were sort of precipitated by this procession of the king. Maybe you could tell us about the the king and the monarchy and how they sort of the role that the king plays in Thai politics. The previous king died in 2016, actually during my first visit here. He was quite beloved for uh, a number of social programs and agricultural programs that he instituted. And also his reign was like something like 72 years. Wait, he was in power for 72 years? He was in power for a very long time. Uh, I think maybe he died at 72, but he was in power for a very, very long time. And because of that, a number of kind of older generations lived through his time in power, generations who were sort of, you know, more sentimental about the monarchy than the current generation is. And so when he died, there was a great deal of mourning. There was a whole year of official mourning. And his son took power after that. His son is, as an outsider, it's, it's it hurts me to kind of be, uh, yeah, he's he's a cartoon character and has spent pretty much the entirety of his time in power living in a hotel with a ostensible harem of 20 women in um an area outside of munich i believe he consolidated the entire royal budget to his sort of private discretion which was a sort of unprecedented move and shocked a lot of people and strengthened the laissez-majesté laws, which are the laws that punish insulting the monarchy, insulting the king or anyone associated with him. So because of the date of the 13th, the the four-year anniversary of the previous king's death was a few days ago. So his son came back to Thailand to perform certain sort of rites uh, commemorating it. 
and protests were held and timed for that. Yeah, he flight back to to do some like his um, merit stuff about like their own family something and and just like it's, it is the time like because in the in the history the 14th October is very important. They used to have something happen in in the old time. And so during the protests, the protests actually were timed with a sort of procession, uh, a motorcade. The king and his wife and his son were passing through a central part of the city and people were protesting nearby. And I think the expectation was that the police and the military would route the motorcade away from the protest. So it was you know, to avoid any sort of confrontations, but also probably to sort of protect the vanity of, of the royals um, and not embarrass them. But the, the thing that we say now, it seemed like come from our our side only because like this king, uh, he flight back for the 13 because like yeah, the day right. that his father died, right? right? And then like um, he have to make a merit in the grand palace and right. I think the temple around. Because the Cortes already pointed a pin on the 14th, but on the 13th, some people that, that far from, from Bangkok, like Isan group, like Isan activist group, they come first. So they come like one day before the 14th. So when, when they come like the 13th, it's just exactly the time that they're going to have like the people right. grieving, like right. the, the, the people feel like the people who love the king feel like this day is important because the 13th is the day that below is passed away. So the king was, the new king was returning to Thailand after this weird thing he was doing in his hotel and people were coming out to protest. And so this kind of set the stage for what we saw yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Um, but actually, like the protest, we can say like a new tactics, right? Like because they are the youth, they are young, they are student, high school student, and kind of like university student, and some new thought of the people. I say like new tactic is about like they not stay in the protest long. They they make the protest often, but not stay for whole night because we already explained like because the government tried to beat them up when when it's just so so late and we feel like that is very covert thing but we want to be safe and we want to protect each other to not getting hurt or getting die to do it again like we we feel this protest is like doing by peaceful and caring much about like people life and uh, not getting anything hurt it's not clear why but the motorcade was rerouted for just a few blocks in a way that basically passed by one of the protests. Like from the uh, from from the monarchy stuff, like they already announced that um, he and his wife gonna pass a king and the queen gonna gonna pass the Rajadamnern Road. Like it's a it's a place that uh, the the protest gonna make the meeting stop there, mm-hmm. and and they say like they're gonna come in the evening. Like, and people are just confused at first, like, because we pick the date first, like, we, we're going to stay here. And when you do that, it just make, like, us confused, like, oh, so you want it to be, like, collapse to each other. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we already know that it's going to make, it's going to be mess. Because, like, when the monarchate here had to pass any, anyway, like, they had to close the road. Like, people cannot even 
stay on the road like cannot you cannot stay on the same floor of the king like you know like you have to you have to make a space or it's like for an hour beforehand and an hour after right nobody yeah, yeah, nobody like, can like, be there like long like not not like mm, sometimes like like not that long but but you have to be very quiet and you have to clear the road for real mm -hmm. like cannot like stay you 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 cannot stay you have to like like on the foot part like Far, far. I don't know. It's about less. Is there something about people having to sit down too, or something? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like if if the motorcade is passing nearby, you have to sit down. You can't. You but can't even but sometimes, like, I think I, I think I used to. He used to pass me once, and I I in that road, and um, the thing that uh, I I don't have to sit, but I cannot stand on the on just a step. You know. Right. I can just stay on the foot part, but cannot go up on the step you can't be any higher than the sidewalk yeah something like that or even like i i used to work in the side building and when like the the royalists the royalists come like came pass pass by mm -hmm. like we're gonna have like some police or or their soldier or something like come to the side building and say like gonna have motorcade like motorcade mm -hmm. you you have to prepare so um the worker in that side building have to prepare and cannot stay on the second floor when we working so we have to stay on the first floor like till the the mother kid pass and um the police come to say like oh okay it's fine but every time it take like a few hours just for the one one car pass right one 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 color one pass yeah. so what happened on the 14th was first of all it was an escalation right like that traditionally people are not allowed to be anywhere near the motorcade and are also expected you know to sort of act in ways that are very different not only did that not happen but briefly people blocked the motorcade hmm. uh, and the police inexplicably stood down uh, the police did not prevent them from doing this and there oh, are well. the, motor, um, the the protests already make one road that the motorcade can pass we don't want to to make anything happen, they already make one load clear. Yeah. They they already they already make the point that 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 motorcade can can go without like like have to face with them. The reason we're talking about this is because between that mysterious rerouting and the fact that the police did not prevent people from blocking the motorcade, there are widespread theories and speculation about the fact that this may have all been a sort of provocation that like mm -hmm. the the monarchy may have sort of engineered a provocation to give the regime and the monarchy and the military a sort of pretext for taking the gloves off i don't know how true that is but it, it's definitely something that people are speculating about here you're listening to Hope Dies Last. If you like what you're hearing, pop on over to patreon.com slash Ryan Harvey Music. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Ryan Harvey Music. You can sign up to make a monthly donation to help support the show. Hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Tisha, because you were you were out in the streets in these recent days, and Joshua, you've been observing this from inside the city maybe you could just describe what this conflict has looked like and then maybe I, I forgot earlier on maybe we could give the listener an understanding that this isn't just a, a random thing that just happened the other day this is the escalation comes after 
a, a long period of, of these protests happening. These protests come from like, it, it is a new generation of the people. We just talk we just talked together, like how it's happened. Like six years ago, we Thailand got a coup, right? Like and in those time, and then like we under the coup for four years, and we have the election, and then like have so many party coming up, and one of them is a future party that young generation seem interested in him very much. So he got like lots of her like vote. But in the end, like uh, the election result, it's about like the the soldier government still wins by yeah. by some like fraud. Like, how can I say like he make he make his own rules of election? Mm-hmm. That weird like election should have their own rule, but he make his own rule and say like he gonna add on like two hundred fifty word of the voice something that and that process make make him win. So people just feel like that that didn't choose him. So we continue it for more two years, and the the future party that um become like the opposite side of the government got taken down because like he yeah he tried what you call like the the opposition party was outlawed in February. The prime minister and his party. Because basically they tried to call it the the the, the government. So yeah. They work. Yeah, they, they were they, 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 the, the future forward party. I think is what they're called. They were growing in power and becoming much more popular. And so in the young generation, yeah, especially with young people. So Prayu and the military sort of laundered lo- the laundered form. sort of military regime outlawed that party using some sort of you know very spurious sort of allegations and that was kind of a breaking point i think for a lot of young people right mm. Mm, i i i think it's kind of like breaking point like it's not about that we want to protect that guy or whatever it's not about the person but we feel like this guy it's kind of like representation of our voice some of the young generation just 18 and it's their first time for for voting and they feel like they they turn their voice to be nothing. So when when mm. our representation person got kicked off, people just just have the question a lot in our head and not only that because like they express it by like one school like um make the flash mob by themselves and then when they do that, another school do it. Another school do it. It looked like a mushroom. Like mm-hmm. once it, when one sport happened, it spread to the other mm-hmm. school, and people start to talk politics like everywhere. Yeah. Um. In those time, like the COVID come, yeah. so we pause because yeah, we 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 want to take care of ourselves, and then like we know that um the government have to work hard about that. So kind of like a few months or four months, something that we disappear, like the politics seem yeah. disappear for a while. And it's it's important to clarify, Ryan, when she refers to flash mobs, it, it, they use that term very elastically here. It's not just, you know, some sort of like dance party sort of thing. Um, there is that element often, but the context for that is, um, first of all, the laissez-majesté laws, which outlaw any sort of, you know, discussion of the 
the monarchy that is negative. Um, but additionally, like political speech is like dicey here. And, and until these protests really kicked off, I think there was some degree of inhibition. And so the way that the younger generation began sort of speaking out after February uh, and before February, really, I think, was through these flash mobs and staging what were ostensibly protests, but they called them flash mobs. And I'm not certain about this. It's something I'm sort of trying to chase down through interviews and, and, and confirm by research. But my impression is that this gave activists a sort of plausible deniability so that mm -hmm. if somebody came to them and said, you're staging an illegal protest, they could say, oh, no, officer, it's just a flash mob. And in Thailand, like even Joshua say, like in democracy country, the protest is legal, like you can do it. Yeah. But in Thailand, it seemed like something that they not allow us to do. So if you ask like why they make it in the school, it's about like they have some rules that have the whole about like you cannot like make the the meeting big group, but yeah, you can do it in the school. Right. So the mm -hmm. the right to assembly is more protected in universities. In the university. Basically because classes are assemblies, right? Like it's sort of a, a neutral territory where like the state can't reasonably say you can't have a gathering, right? So because classrooms new generation just use that whole that the, the that why of the of the laws to say like we're in the school. We didn't do anything. We just make like the speech to each other. We just make like debate, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And as she said, that paused because of COVID and the government instituted an emergency decree to manage the pandemic uh, and that banned gatherings and it banned certain it basically kind of like took a fake news kind of approach of like, you know, we're going to crack down on fake news because it could jeopardize national security because if people are putting out conspiracy theories about the pandemic, there'll be bedlam, you know, all the things that are actually quite true. And, you know, we're seeing in other parts of the world, but over time, especially once transmissions here tapered off, I don't think there's been a local transmission of COVID in Thailand in about five months. And, wow. and life is mostly... Like do not I can't even tell you we could have a whole conversation about how surreal it is to watch the West from here because I, it just I I can't get my head around it but next episode yeah yeah another <laughs> conversation but um you know it's been five months basically without a local transmission and that emergency yeah. decree has not been lifted it's been extended every month and, and people just say like um you do that because you fear the protest, right? Yeah, like, exactly. You, why you keep doing that when we have this? I call in every day. Like today is zero infection. Another day is zero infection. And you're saying that like emboldened people. The fact that they sensed that the government was actually scared of the protest did that get people more motivated to go back out to the street? I guess you could say that it emboldened people. My impression is more that it kind of exhausted people's patience. Like, hmm. like every month it was announced that the emergency decree was extended. And every time that that was extended further out from the last local transmission, yeah. people were just kind of like, okay, this is transparently bullshit. Like, and from the other side, you might see like a big uh, Thai work in about the COVID pandemic situation very well or something. And yeah, we, we can say like um, so many part in Thailand, like so many ministry part help each other and even like for the people help each other about like preventing the spread of the COVID too or whatever like we I think everyone work hard together but 
have to accept like our economy is collapsed badly. Mm. Like in our mi- middle class, like we suffer for it for for sure. Like we we have less money. Some people just got like retired or whatever. But for the worker class or factory people or the people who got like just 200, 300 baht per day, like they, they lost their job. And when they lost their job, it mean like they have no money and no saving. And we can say like in Thailand, we have less COVID infection or, or dead people, but the dead is come from this commit suicide. Yeah. They commit suicide mm-hmm. because of the economy collapse more than that. Yeah, and could... people feel like this is hurt us. Yeah. Like this is hurt. To put it in context, like 200 baht is about somewhere between five and six dollars. And the tourism industry was basically just eviscerated by the pandemic. And um, I think it's something like one in six people in Thailand is somehow employed in the tourism sector. So that's a massive segment. I mean, I think it, it represents a smaller percentage of the the economy in terms of numbers, but in terms of employment, it's a massive driver. And Bangkok prior to the pandemic was the most visited city on earth. So Bangkok doesn't look all that different because it's fairly economically insulated, but we've visited a few islands that looked mm. like ghost towns. Yeah, I mean, that- just it's shocking how devastating uh, the pandemic was for parts of the country that are wholly dependent upon tourism. And as Tisha said, like, we have not had a massive death count here from COVID. I think it's probably been like, what, 56, 58 deaths. Mm. Um, but the suicides are, are quite real. every day and, mm. and, and have like very tragedy story behind about like how they suffer or whatever. So I feel like, before the COVID come, like um, Thailand is in the the time that um, we watching the the government very close about like what they do or whatever. Even like every talk in parliament that seem boring. Now they make the high school like high school student want to open it and and listen to it because they feel like it's their word and it's their story. So it's just holding like this and and just pause in the COVID time and and people still keep watching the government work like. You have to prove yourself now that you you come come into our government like for two years. What what are you doing? So when people just see like how bad side that they're doing and they use the money of the country like bad, they they become deaf a lot. Yeah, they've been making massive unnecessary military expenditure by submarine buying these like high tech submarines from China and things like that. Something uh, I don't know. Like, but we feel like people have no money and people suffering. Why you not like just manage that money to to do something? Because it's our right. We we want to know what what happened and and what you 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 done or something like that. The demands that were sort of circulating at that time, like in early June and throughout June, were sort of carryovers from the previous protests from before the pandemic. And, you know, they look like standard sort of features of liberal democracies. They were not particularly radical. What was noteworthy was that young people who felt betrayed by the outlawing of uh, the party that, you know, represented them were much less inhibited than previous generations, which I think is something like we're seeing just with Zoomers generally, right? You know, looking at Thai TikTok and things like that, 
the the forms of sarcasm and political satire and political critique and things like that that occur on those platforms coming from young people they look very much like the the forms of you know satire and, and humor and whatnot that are being deployed by by gen z kids in other parts of the world joshua you were also telling me earlier about how there's been a number of activists who've been disappeared murdered found dead under mysterious circumstances for some time now, for a number of years, dissidents within the country have been brutalized, both within the country. There's, you know, a number of high profile stories of people being attacked by like masked gangs with pipes and stuff and hospitalized. I think one young man lost his eye. And then a lot of those same dissidents have gone abroad and fled into exile. And, you know, we're talking about people who don't have the means of, say, dissidents in the West with stronger economies and things like that. So they they can really only oftentimes flee into exile into uh, neighboring countries like Laos, mm. Cambodia, Vietnam. And oftentimes those people disappear. Some of them have been found in the Mekong River with their stomachs full of concrete. Jesus. Or and- their bone, it just like, like identified, he got burned first before taking into that oil tank or whatever. Yeah, like, like, it's it's really gruesome stuff. There was one activist who had fled into exile. I'm going to butcher his name, Wala Chern. Wan Chalung. Wan Chalung, who was in Phnom Penh, and he was on the phone with his sister, and armed guys just grabbed him off the street mid-phone call, and it was caught on security camera, and he hasn't been seen since. And he disappeared, I think it was June fourth. And that was really where I first started seeing protests start to happen again after the pandemic. These are people that were were like leaders or or played a role in the protests before the pandemic. You're saying these are part of this recent wave of protests. And I, I think, too, there are people, there are struggles here around like public land and ecology and things like that with, you know, there as as in other parts of the world, there are companies that are encroaching on public lands and using them for resource extraction. And there are activists in rural parts of the country who become targets because of uh, their work to preserve those lands and things like that. Very much like what we see in like Central America and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and some of those some of those people have had to go into exile and some of them, I believe, have, have disappeared as well. But when this young man disappeared in early June, that was when I started to see posters around the neighborhood. I started to see stuff on social media, people protesting, holding up photos people of him. People ask the government what happened and what you can do for that. Who do that? Like, you have to find in the truth for us or something like mm-hmm. that. But it seemed like they ignore it. They say, like, it's in another country. They cannot do anything. We feel like they not see the value of the one life of the person. You make lots of mess about the money and now, like, um, some people that think different from you, like, uh, he disappeared from from no reason. Like it just make people question more. And when when one start, like people just go back to dig the story. Like how many people in Thailand disappear like this? Start by by one Shalom story, and then like go back to like which activist that um disappear for what story that he make or which position that he or she become the that leader or something like that. The first major protest after the pandemic occurred in mid-July, about six weeks after this disappearance in Phnom Penh. And 
that was the, I think, the largest political demonstration in Thailand in something like 10 years and was very bold and very brave and heavily young people. Uh, but also we were there and we saw a mix of generation. Yeah, it was very intergenerational. There were lots of older people who came out and it seemed the sentiment was that they they were very supportive of young people. If you either of you wants to talk about what's you know what's coming next, are these protests going to continue? Is there anything planned as a follow up to to what just happened? What what are you thinking? So I haven't had a I haven't really had a chance to to really doom scroll and and see what people are posting too much yet. What I do know as of last night, the severe emergency decree has been extended to November 13th. I was interviewing activists last night after the protest, and this sentiment that I got from all of them was that nobody takes it seriously. Um, I don't think its deterrent effect is going to be significant, and people are incredibly angry. I have seen tweets this morning that protests are scheduled for today in other provinces in solidarity with Bangkok. I'm sure there will probably be a response in Bangkok as well, but I haven't seen anything yet. And the fact that what happened here has stoked activity elsewhere is significant. That's not new. The movement has been very widespread. A hundred people tried to storm the prison in Chiang Mai yesterday, where two of the Bangkok protest leaders were held. But it is spreading. People are incredibly angry, so I don't think it's going to stop. It's unclear what the state will do. There's really no telling. I don't necessarily think anyone was expecting what happened last night. It's just a very volatile situation, I think. And for the protest themselves, like we didn't make the old tactic that we're going to stay long or what, whatever. They update every day, pass through the social media to each other. Like if they just come like a few hours be- before before the meeting point, whatever, people are willing to go. So everything that we just announcement each other, pass through the social media quickly, what we want or what we're going to do next. So we had to say like what the schedule is or what the next step or whatever we we work it like a long term i think like we keep going out to to say our voice to to request our demand and and they have to listen to us joshua and tisha thank you so much for speaking with me and take care of yourselves out there yeah thank you for having us hope dies last is produced by me Special thanks to Joshua and Tishan, our guests today. Stay tuned. I'll have another episode in two weeks. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and also go over to patreon.com slash Ryan Harvey Music. Sign up to make a monthly donation. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Talk to you soon.